Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. Today we're starting a brand new series. Come on. We get excited about that. Titled Believe the Impossible. Now, some of y'all might be like, well, Pastor, I've heard you preach this before. I've been here over the last couple of years. I'm pretty sure you've been in this message. Okay, so here's what happened. Two years ago, God really spoke to me about this theme. And, he, and I feel like he told me to preach it every single year. And every year as a church, we speak loudly by faith what God is going to do over this house. And over the last couple of years, everything that we spoke by faith, God has accomplished. It's amazing. The first year, two years ago, I spoke that we would become a debt-free church. Hallelujah. We became a debt-free church. Thank you, Jesus, right? Last year, that was a big one because of dreams and visions over a new building, over a new future house for this church. I stood up on stage looking like a crazy man, which I usually do. It's okay. Um, And I said, with no connections and definitely did not have the money to buy this building, I said that that would be our future church. Today, somehow, in a miraculous way, we have a key to this building. We have a key to this building. How many of y'all came out to the prayer time at the new building? Can you just raise your hands? Come on, wave it loudly. God was, uh, I like that. We need to do that more. Uh, It was such a wonderful time. Here's what God is doing. This is really cool. And I want to share this with the church as well. There are people right now sending messages to the church. There are people that have already moved here from out of state because of dreams from God telling him that they need to be here and part of this church. We have about five families right now. A couple have already moved here. Some are putting offers on houses at this very moment. And many more are reaching out, talking about these dreams and these visions that they're having because they want to be part of what God is doing here. We can't force that to happen. But that's because we serve the God of the impossible. We serve a supernatural God. And so here's the amazing, important detail of the story today is that no matter what you're going through, God can still work a miracle in your life, in your relationships, in your family, and for your future because he is a good and awesome God. So I know that these are big dreams, but I believe God for these dreams. Amen. All right, look at somebody next and say, I believe. I believe. All right, don't be singing, I believe I can fly. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about a famous dreamer. Uh, Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Joseph, right? And Joseph received some favor from the Lord. Who in here wants favor from God? Raise your hand. I think all of us should want some favor from the Lord. Here's something a lot of people miss, though, when it comes to the favor of the Lord. Favor doesn't mean that your life will now be perfect. And sometimes favor from the Lord, blessings upon your life also bring more trials and more battles. Why would God put favor on you just so you can go through more battles? It's the only way you're going to see victory. It's the only way that you're going to know that God will always show up no matter what it is that you're going through, no matter how many times the enemy tries to attack you. You've seen God do it before. You know we can do it this time too right? It's the only way to see victory in our life. So let's go ahead and read the story of Joseph, and I'm going to break it down as we go. Genesis chapter 37, verses 2 through 4. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks, for he worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zippah. They, They sound lovely. I'm sure they were wonderful to work with, all right? But Joseph reported to his father 
some of the bad things his brothers were doing. How many of you had siblings growing up? What did you do when they tattletailed on you? Punched them, just immediately, just punched them. Kicked them in the face. I didn't even care, right? I love you, but don't ever, you know, tattletale on me again. So I want you to see the family dynamic here. Joseph was tattling on his brothers. And his father, Jacob, trusted him to do this over and over again to bring a report to him. Now, here's where it gets a little deeper and a little messed up. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children. Think about that for a second. How would you feel if you were a brother of Joseph? Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So immediately in the story, we also see that there is some family dysfunction taking place. So it's amazing that no matter what you grew up in, God can still use you today. And isn't that awesome? Because we see family dysfunction and those that we say, okay, I could never be like them. There's no way I could ever live that out and be that bold in faith. Listen, family dysfunction from the very beginning. There were favorites. So one day, Jacob, now this is kind of funny to me, had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. In the Hebrew, uh, this robe was very colorful and it was long and it was flowy and it was big. Okay, it covered his arms. It flowed down to the floor. Imagine what Jacob was thinking. Like he knew exactly what was going to happen if he made this robe for Joseph. Joseph's going to walk in the room and automatically everybody's going to notice that favor, right? That favor put a target on his back. Think about it like that as well. The favor from his father put a target on his back, okay? So it made it about 10 times worse because now listen to what happens next. His brothers hated Joseph. They hated him because their father loved him. More than the rest of them, they couldn't even say a kind word about them. Listen to the wording here, how real it is. And so his brothers start to get more jealous over the favor, over the blessings that's over Joseph's life. But at the same time, God is giving Joseph dreams, a revelation about the future. And God is revealing to Joseph that, hey, one day your family dynamic is going to completely change. You know what I love about that? You may have dysfunction in your family today and God may give you a dream at this very moment saying, hey, you know what? One day that dysfunction is going to change. You used to say you can never be a man of God, but now you're gonna stand firm in the Bible, in the word of God. You're gonna pray over your family. You used to say, I couldn't pray, but now the Lord's gonna do something through you and everybody's gonna know you as a man of God, a man of prayer and a woman of faith. Maybe before you were always anxious and fearful and you always thought the worst things are gonna happen, but all of a sudden God has given you a supernatural faith and you're looking at your family like it's time to move. It's time to step into the promises. I'm tired of being scared. I don't wanna fear this world. I wanna fear the Lord because in the name of Jesus, demons run, miracles happen. So God showed Joseph that the family dynamic would change. Now, here's what he showed him. Verses five through 11. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they loved him. They hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream. I mean, you got to think, he was 17 years old, okay? So he had no concept of what he was doing here. But he said, we were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundles stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before me. Imagine your siblings saying something like that. Listen, if you have problems with people, it's probably not the best idea to tell them that they will bow down to you, right? 
So his brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? Right? Do you actually think you will reign over us? Now, because of the dysfunction, right, this sin of favoritism within the family, now it's leading to a sin of jealousy. We're going to talk about this in a second, that jealousy will come and knock at your door because you have to give jealousy permission to enter into your heart. But jealousy will always knock at your door, trying to consume you in the way that you think about what you're going through. And so because of this, jealousy consumed them and hate filled their heart. Jealousy's ultimate goal for your life is to fill your heart with hate. For somebody you were called to love, for somebody who's still created in the image of God, jealousy will fill your heart with hate over a person instead of fighting the spiritual warfare that's actually taking place. For you were not called to hate that person, you were called to love that person, called to show them the gospel and the love of God, even when it's hard. And it's difficult to do. But they hated him all the more because of the dreams. Where did his dreams come from? They came from God. So they hated him because he had dreams from the Lord and the way that he talked about them. Have you ever met somebody that always talked about themselves? Like literally every time you're, you meet up, you're like, man, how's it been? Oh, I've been good. And then all of a sudden they cut you off. Like, let me tell you about my story. Let me tell you about my blessings. Let me tell you about this crazy relationship. Let me tell you about all these things. And you're like, look at the time. You know, I got to go, right? I don't want to have this conversation anymore because you talk so much about yourself. That's what Joseph is doing here. He talked about them in a way that they did not like. He made them feel bad in the moment and they already did not like him. So again, it's jealousy knocking at your door. And maybe you're saying, pastor, but you don't understand what it is that I'm going through. I, I show up to work early. I try to do the best that I can. And my boss never sees me. He overlooks me every single time. He gives this person a promotion. Nobody likes that person. You know, like, God, why are you doing this? Or God, I got that one friend that's always in a relationship, always got things going on for them. And I'm, I'm single as a Pringle, you know, like. Come on, Lord, like you hear me? You hear what's going on in my life? Can you just help me out? Mm, in this case, so think about it like this. God, I'm not happy because he's the favorite. God, I'm not happy and I don't feel like you love me because she's the favorite in the family. And this person is the favorite in the family. And all I feel like is a letdown. I just mess everything up. And that's all anybody ever speaks over me. And so very quickly, what's been spoken over you starts to become your identity. And this is why we need to guard our mouth. And I get it. It's hard. There are days we just lose our cool. But if you've spoken something out of rage, then later you need to have another conversation to clear it up. Because whatever you spoke, that now becomes that person's identity. And so many times we speak over our children in a way that makes them feel dumb, misunderstood, and that they will become nobody. And now they take that identity because of your mouth and what you spoke. Mm. See, see, again, jealousy knocks at your door because jealousy needs permission to enter into your heart. We know this from the story of Cain and Abel. For God told Cain, listen, do not be angry over the blessings over your brother, but sin. That's what he said. He said, sin is crouching at your door, knocking at your door, wanting you, wanting you to let it in. So please understand, jealousy is a demonic voice. And jealousy will always scream death over the people you can't stand in order to fill your heart with hate. Listen to this real quick before I get back into the story. 
James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, do not cover up the truth with boasting and lying for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly. It doesn't stop there. Unspiritual doesn't stop there. Demonic. Jealousy is a characteristic of the devil. Jealousy is a characteristic that comes straight from the pit of hell. Satan was jealous of Yahweh. Satan was jealous of Yeshua, Jesus Christ. He wanted to be worshiped, so God cast him down. And this is what pride will do in our life as well. But jealousy is a spirit. And if you bow down to jealousy, your life will always be in disorder because it's unspiritual and demonic. Listen to this. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So maybe right now in your relationships, you're saying, God, there's a lot of disorder. Could there be jealousy? Maybe from you maybe from someone else. Maybe you need to have a conversation to rebuke that spirit from your relationships to be set free, okay? Because in order to be healed, instead of bowing down to jealousy, you can bow down to Jesus Christ and say, God, have it all. They really hurt me. They really came against me. I know they want me to fall, but Lord, I just give it to you. Heal my heart so I can move on and keep my eyes upon you. But you do have to choose who you bow down to, okay? So let's get back into the story. Not only did Joseph have one dream, but he also had another dream. And what I love, and I say this over and over again, that the number two out of the Bible means confirmation from the Lord. So that's how Joseph knew that this was a dream from God. Genesis 37, verses nine through 11. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. He didn't learn his lesson from the first time. And then he had another dream. He said, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. Now this time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? Now again, the Bible gives us very specific details we need to pay attention to because it didn't just end there. The next line, look at this. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father started to wonder the meaning of the dreams. Why would his father rebuke the dream just to think about the meaning of the dream? We're about to get into it. The title of today's message is Godly Dreams. Godly Dreams. And so I wanna talk about godly dreams for your life, that a dream from God can change your life forever because these dreams will give you a vision for the future a destiny to step into, but we need to pay attention because God is always speaking. And so I talked about it this morning. Why would God even speak to us in dreams? Here's why I believe he speaks to us in dreams. It's because we are so distracted during the day. We are so busy. We have jobs to go to, positions, things to do, people to deal with, sports to go to, to play sports, maybe going to school, all these different things. And so God is constantly speaking. Hey, I know you're anxious, You've been asking for an answer. I have the answer. We're like, God, uh, now right now, the game's on. God's like, okay. I'll speak to you while you sleep. 
When you can't be distracted by anything else, I will come visit you and I will speak to you and give you revelations. Do you understand that is God's grace? Because God could say, you know what? You don't want to listen to me? Fine. I'm not going to speak to you. But instead, he meets us exactly where we are because he knows what we need to hear. So I have three points that I want to share with you today. Let's dive in. Point number one, godly dreams ignite vision. Godly dreams ignite vision. If the dream is from God, the dream will always ignite a vision for your future. Every single time. And again, I said this a few weeks back that if you feel like your future should be comfortable, then it's not from God. Because everything that God speaks over your life is going to seem impossible. It's gonna be bigger than you because he wants you to see his strength in all of your weaknesses. But again, the father here, okay, we're talking about Jacob. Jacob started to ponder what the dreams meant according to verse 11. And so again, if Jacob rebuked Joseph for having the dream, why did he ponder the meaning? I believe it's because of the symbolism. The symbolism in Joseph's dream, Joseph's dreams, um, spiked his curiosity of what that meant. Because many times out of the Bible, did you know that God would speak through symbolism in a dream? God will show you symbols and, and things that you need to understand, but you gotta dive a little bit deeper. So I wanna show you some deeper revelations about the dreams that Joseph had. They're actually, it's really amazing. So the first dream is this. In Genesis 37, verse seven, let's go over it again. Joseph said, we were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before me. The bundles of grain clearly represent his brothers. Even his brothers understood that concept. Verse eight, his brothers responded. So you think you'll be our king. You think that we will bow down to you and that you will reign over us. But here's a question. Was God showing them something deeper? Was God revealing something about their future through the symbolism? Because here's another question. Why bundles of grain? Like, why didn't God just make the dream really clear and have his brothers right there bow down before him? Why did God show Joseph bundles of grain? Here's the answer, okay? Now, spoiler alert, if you don't know the whole story, I'm about to ruin it for you, all right? But Joseph's ultimate position in the end, in the land of Egypt, would be connected with grain and food. The whole reason he would be reunited with his brothers, the whole reason he would see healing over his family was in a symbol that God showed him in a dream. Not only would they bow down to him, but it was also the meaning and the reason they would see him again in the future. Genesis 41 verse six, here's Pharaoh's dream. He said, seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were shriveled and withered by the east wind. And Joseph comes along, he interprets the dream and says, there's famine coming to the land, prepare. You know what that also tells us? That God will give you a warning in a dream too to prepare. And so, and I see this a lot on TV, on TikTok, on all these viral videos right now that say, you know, you gotta prepare. Everything's just going to disaster right now and it's the end of the world. Listen, we talked about that last week. We literally talked about the battle of Armageddon last week, okay? Jesus is returning very soon and I'm excited about that. But I also believe the closer you are to the Lord, right? He's gonna give you specific revelation on how to prepare if something's coming. A lot of times we listen to a lot of voices and we accept those voices into our head and they bring a lot of worry and fear and doubt over everything that we see. Yet God still shows up and says, you know what? I got you. It's gonna be okay. Because this is what I see out of the Bible. 
Every time they would go into captivity, God's prophets would be saved. They would be protected. And, and, and look at Joseph. Look at Daniel. Look at these prophets that were moved by God into the promise because they believed, even though bad things were coming up against them. So God will bring warnings and dreams. That's pretty cool. All right, but let's look at the second dream here. Genesis chapter 37, verse nine. He said, I had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. Again, the sun and the moon represent his mother and his father. The 11 stars represent his brothers. A lot of people would say the end. That's it. Jacob's name was changed. What was his name changed to? Israel. This is not only prophetic for the family. This is prophetic for the nation of Israel. Okay, here's where we received this other revelation from John. Out of the book of Revelation, I want you to listen to his wording here. Revelation chapter 12, verse one. Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. What do we see from this revelation? We see the sun, we see the moon, we see the stars, all talking about the actual nation of Israel. What's the revelation again? All pointing to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Because if you continue in the very next verse, verse two, all of a sudden she was with a child, the nation of Israel, the Messiah, and she cried out being in labor and in pain, gave birth. The brothers bowed down to the grain, his grain. Ultimately, the revelation of the dream was that all would bow down before the king above all kings. Think about it like that. It points to Jesus. The dream points to the Messiah. So long ago, even before he came in his first coming. But also, why such symbolism? Why does God speak to us in mysterious ways in dreams? Why doesn't he just make everything clear? And sometimes God will give you a clear dream. Sometimes it just makes sense. You understand everything about it. But there's sometimes that God will bring symbolism. And the reason why, I believe, the first reason is that it spikes curiosity. Maybe you've been distant from the Lord. Maybe you have been distracted with life. When is the last time you worshiped God in your house? When is the last time you prayed with your family and believed in the impossible? Are you just going through the motions and then showing up on a Sunday? That was good. I'll be back next week, but that's it. So sometimes God will give you a dream that gives you a burden. He shows you symbols. And now if you want to know the meaning, guess who you got to seek? You got to seek the Lord. You got to seek his presence to understand what he is speaking to you. It spikes your curiosity. But the second reason is this. Symbols require God's word for understanding. Have you been in the word? Have you been reading what he has for your life? Let me say it like this. If the dream is from God, the interpretation will always be revealed through God's word. I love that. If the dream is from God, the dream will always be revealed through God's word. Meaning, okay, you had this dream. You saw some crazy things. You saw cows. You saw pancakes. I don't know. You saw all kinds of stuff. I don't know what you ate that night, all right? You write it down. But if you feel like it's from the Lord, if God has confirmed it, if there's something heavy with that, you should be able to take the symbolism there and associate it with the word of God and understand the meaning. This has happened so many times in my life. This is the reason the church is here today because of dreams and visions that God has given me. Again, people are moving here because of dreams and visions that they have seen from the Lord. The symbolism that God is bringing them. 
So again, Jacob was so curious over the meaning of Joseph's dream because Jacob himself heard from God in this way before. One of the most fascinating stories is the story of Jacob's ladder. This vision, this revelation, while he was dreaming, he saw a ladder from earth to heaven, angels coming down and going up. Imagine seeing that. But it also, this dream ignited a vision for his future, for his family. So let's read it together. Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 14. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and he stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway. Now, some translations will say a ladder, but he saw this ladder reaching from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. And at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather, Abraham, the God of your father, Isaac. The ground that you're lying on belongs to you. Imagine what that would feel like in a dream. What, what did God just do in a dream? He's giving him a promise. He's giving Jacob a promise. This land is yours. This promise is for you. I will change your name to Israel. And all the world will know my glory through you, the nation of Israel. All people will see my signs by the blessings that I pour upon you. This is not only a promise for you, but your children and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. All give it to him because of a, a dream. Please pay attention to when God is speaking to you. He's revealing promises over your life. Wonderful, amazing things. He said, I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth and they will spread out in all directions to the west and the east, to the north and the south and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. Another question arises. So why did Jacob see a ladder? Why didn't he just see heaven open up and all of a sudden angels coming down and up? Why did he see a ladder or a stairway? And I believe it's in connection with, listen, in contrast to the Tower of Babel. And in Genesis chapter 11, mankind tried to build this tower that would reach the heavens. It was the Tower of Babel with one mission in mind. Their mission was to overpower God. God thought that was funny. All they had to do was confuse their language. Nobody understood each other and they walked away. Division took place very quickly, right? When you're not able to have conversations. And so they spread out among the world and they created nations. That's what mankind tried to do. Overpower God. God shows Jacob this vision of a ladder, a stairway from earth to heaven, and he's sending angels down. And instead, to, instead of overpowering us, he sends them down to help us, to protect us, to guide us, because God loves his creation. And in the same time, during the days of the Tower of Babel, everyone was to spread upon different nations, but this dream that God gave Jacob was that his people would one day be united together under the nation of Israel. Michael, the ladder, everything that he saw right there, symbolism. And no matter how many times you read a story, guess what? God's gonna reveal something deeper, something more, because the Bible also tells us that the word of God is living and breathing. 
And so it doesn't matter how many times you read something, God may give you a new revelation. Guess what? It gets deeper than this. For then later Jesus spoke in John chapter one, verse 51, I tell you the truth. You will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the son of man who is the stairway. Jacob saw a stairway that opened up the gate of heaven to earth. Jesus comes and says, you know what? Here's the fulfillment of that vision. That stairway is me. I'm the stairway. I'm the one that can take you from this corrupt world, sanctify you, redeem you, and bring you into a peace of eternity. Only through me, only through Jesus. He said, I am the stairway between heaven and earth. Jesus is the only one. He even said, I'm the gate. If you don't go through me, you can't come in. John chapter 10, verse nine. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. And so the enemy loves to confuse the world and say, you know what? Let's not go through the gate. There should be other ways in, right? There's other methods you could do. Let's just jump the fence over there. Nobody will see you. But listen, the only way into the kingdom of heaven for all eternity is through Yeshua. It's through Jesus Christ. He is the gate. It's exciting to receive a dream from God, especially before you go through trials. There's something hard. Um, there was a time that a woman reached out to my wife because she had a dream about my wife and, and me. And she didn't really know us that well at the time, so she kind of felt awkward telling us the dream. But even when God reveals a dream to my wife, I always tell her, and she knows this as well, that God gave her the dream for a reason. You need to go speak to that person and maybe it's a word to encourage them and help them out. And so she reached out to us and she said in this dream, she felt this urgency to come to us because there were spiritual attacks coming against us, coming against the church. Uh, I don't know if it was like words being spread or gossip or hurt or all these spiritual attacks that were trying to come up against us and the mission of the church. And so in the dream, she ran to us. She came to us about to tell us everything that was coming against us, but she stopped. And this is the part that gave me chills in the dream. She saw me and my wife sitting down, smiling, unbothered, with a hedge of protection, stirring something. Here's what we were stirring, milk and honey. What does milk and honey mean? The promises of God being fulfilled. How would you know that? Because of symbolism in the Bible. Because of symbols that we see in the Bible, right? In Exodus chapter three, verse eight, God spoke to the Israelites and said, I'm gonna lead you out of this land of Egypt into your own fertile and spacious land. He said, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. So milk and honey always means the promises of God being fulfilled in your life. She woke up from this dream and she said to God, God, if I reach out to them, they're gonna think I'm crazy. So she said, reveal it to me. God, let me know if this is truly from you. A few weeks later, guess what? She has the dream again. And she sees us again, sitting in the promises of God, stirring milk and honey, unbothered about anything that can come up against us because we believe in the promises of God. We believe in what God is doing. This is what a dream can do for your life. So listen, you may feel like you're going towards a pit. You may feel like everything is falling down, but God will give you a word. And I believe there is milk and honey for each and every one of you today. Some of you have forgotten the promises of God over your marriage and you thought it was done. But I'm telling you today, give it over to the Lord and you may be stirring something you didn't think you'd ever start. 
over your finances. You felt like you were never gonna get that job to be able to take care of your family. And maybe God is teaching you with the little I give you. I wanna see what you do with it. And if you obey me with little, I'll give you so much more. Okay? And then all of a sudden, you start to trust God with a little, start to trust God a little more, a little bit more. And the next thing you know, it's milk and honey in your life. There are promises from God over you. Obedience to God always leads you into the fulfillment that he has for you. You don't have to be scared of things coming up against you or things that want to hurt you. So I wanna encourage you with this. Dreams from God ignite a vision for your future. Believe in the dreams. Please, don't give up on the dream. No matter what you see, no matter what you hear, no matter what is happening, do not give up on the dream because God will never give up on you. Never. And this leads to my second point. Now, this is, this is a hard one. We need to learn how to guard our mouth when we receive a dream from God. This is the hardest for me. I'll be honest with you. There have been so many times that I've received this revelation from the Lord. I'm so excited. I tell other people and they're looking at me like, you're crazy. All right, you're a lunatic. There's no way that I would believe any of that is going to happen for your life. And sometimes you feel discouraged because of the people you told too much to. And when we look at the story of Joseph and the family dynamic, clearly, again, there was dysfunction because of favoritism, okay? Where did favoritism come from, though? It was passed down from Jacob because Jacob lived in that home environment as well. So if you go a little backwards in the story of Jacob, his family life, his home life, here's what you find out. In Genesis chapter 25, verse 28, Isaac, who is Jacob's father, loved Esau, his brother, because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home. He was a hunter, but Rebekah, his mother, loved Jacob. Jacob was his mother's favorite, but his father favored his brother instead. He grew up in a home environment that was divided by favoritism. So guess what he did? He passed it on to his family as well. And it caused more dysfunction. Just because you grew up in it doesn't mean you need to pass it down. And, and whatever hurts you, the things that you taught, listen, this is why you need to go to the word of God because you can see revelations. Oh, maybe I shouldn't talk like that. Maybe I shouldn't call somebody that name that I heard growing up all the time. Instead, God, change me so I can change my family and break generational curses through Jesus Christ. But Joseph didn't know how to guard his mouth. He was 17 years old, okay? Let's continue the story because now, because of his brother's hate, a setup took place. Genesis 37, 12 through 17. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks in Shechem. Shechem was about a two-day journey from Hebron, so it's a good distance away from the house. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready, I'm gonna send them or send you to them. Why wasn't Joseph with them? Why wasn't he working with his brothers? Because again, he was favored. He got out of a lot of work and he was sent to tattletale instead. Verse 14, go and see how your brothers and flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. Verse 15, when he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for? He asked. I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. 
Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the old man told him. They have moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go to Dothan, which is 15 miles farther north. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. Isn't that lucky? Like, have you, I feel like sometimes when we read stories out of the Bible, we just keep reading like it's no big deal. If Joseph remained lost and never found his brothers, never knew that they went to Dothan, he would have went back home and nothing would have happened. But miraculously, because the Bible never shows us a character for no reason, all of a sudden this random stranger who knew where his brothers went came out of nowhere to tell him where to go. Who is this man? Some Jewish commentators actually believe that this man was an angel of the Lord. They think he's Gabriel. The truth is the Bible doesn't tell us who he is. But here's what we do know according to the word of God. God was working behind the scenes. God was doing something that wasn't visible to the eye. So I also need you to understand this. God will work miraculous wonders in our life in two ways. The first way is the visible way. God will work miraculous wonders in a visible way. There will be healings, okay? Giants can fall. Amazing things can take place. But a lot of times, God is doing things behind the scenes. God is doing things for your life that are not visible to you. He's opening up doors that you're like, how did that open up? He's bringing in people at the right time to speak of you. He's guiding your footsteps, telling you, you are going the wrong way. That relationship is not good for you. You'll be stuck in a basement for the next six months, you know, (laughs) in somebody's parents' house, and you're not going to love it. You need to walk away. Let me save you from this in this moment, right? So God does things that are invisible. And so many times we we want God, God, just show me the miracle. Show me the miracle. You have no idea. God could have saved you from demons attacking you today. People that gossiped about you and wanted to take you out and God shut them up and you have no idea. But you were able to go to bed peacefully. Where'd that peace come from? It came from the Lord. He's doing things that are unseen, okay? But where did the setup lead Joseph? Genesis 37, verses 18 through 20. When Joseph's brother saw him coming, because again, he's got to wear that coat, right? They recognized him from the distance as he approached. They made plans to kill him. Jealousy always screams to kill. Eventually, something will die because of jealousy. Maybe it's the relationship. Maybe it's hope. Maybe it's your future. Maybe physically. Something will always die due to jealousy. They made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. Um, We can tell our father that a wild animal has eaten him and they will see what becomes, or then we will see what becomes of his dreams. Jealousy will always try to come to kill the dreams that God has given you. And sometimes he sends his demons And sometimes the enemy sends people that are completely in their flesh who want the things that you have. But listen, the enemy can't take the Lord away from you. The enemy can't take his anointing away from you. The enemy cannot take away God's promises over your life. There may be things that you lose in the moment, but don't you worry. God's promises still stand in the end. I love that. I love that. That's why you can rely on the Lord no matter what it is that you're going through. So, We need to talk about this. How do you guard your mouth when you receive a blessing, a dream from the Lord? And how do you do this? Okay, the first reason you need to guard your mouth is because not everyone is happy with you. And this is hard for some of us because some of us have that personality where we walk around and we're like, you have a lovely face. Can I tell you everything about my life? 
right? We had those conversations where we see strangers. Let me tell you about what I did since I've been five years old, okay? Here's everything about my life. And now they know way too much about you. Some of us get on social media and we post everything. Look at God, look at what he's given me. Look at what I have. Look at all these things. Here's why you need to be careful. Did they come from God? Yes, everything good comes from the Lord. But there's gonna be people that see favor over your life. They become jealous. And now you've given them the opportunity to put their negative comments and thoughts into your mind and heart. You've opened up that door for what they think and how they think you should live to come into your heart. And now all you feel is negativity over what the Lord has blessed you with. You need to be very careful. Let me say it like this. God spoke the dream for you. The dream is for you, meaning sometimes the dream is not for everyone else. The dream is specifically for you. So you cannot rely on those that have not heard or seen from the spirit of the Lord because they may not understand. They may get jealous due to your favor. Genesis 37 verse five. Joseph dreamed a dream. He told it to his brothers. They hated him even more. The dream was not for him to cast vision to his brothers. It only made them angrier. Why? Because they were already unhappy with Joseph. They already could not stand him. Verse four, but his brothers hated Joseph because his father loved him more than the rest. Here's what's hard. You need to guard your mouth. And sometimes that means even guarding what the Lord has shown you from family. From family, from people that you think would be there for you. And you know those people, they always spread negativity, doubt, concerns, fear over your life. Just take what the Lord has given you and move through patience. As hard as that is, move through patience. The second reason is this, you don't know all the details yet. Here is the biggest thing that I've realized in my own life. And when I read the Bible, God will show you a dream and we're like, yeah, next week, you know? Like, God, show me the relationship. God, show me the ministry. God, show me the new job. Like, it's, it's going to at least take like a month. That's a long time, like a month, right? Because we're so used to um, instant gratification and and everything that we do today. So sometimes God is saying, no, 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 it's gonna be like six months. We talked about this uh, as well. Sometimes it's 10 years. Sometimes it's 20 years for the fulfillment of what God wants to do in your life. Um, How old was Joseph when he received the dream? 17. How old was he when it was fulfilled? 30 years old. Genesis chapter 41, verse 46. He was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh. The journey took him 13 years. But here's the thing. The journey did start when he was 17. He did not wait. He moved into this, whether he wanted to or not. He moved into this direction. God was leading him into the promise, but it took him 13 years to see this fulfillment in his life. So you may not know all the details yet of what God has shown you. The last reason though is this. Not everyone loves the Lord like they claim. There's a lot of people that show up on a Sunday morning and they say they love the Lord and they may know about the Lord, but they may not know the Lord. And so you don't know what secretly they have planned against you, what they're already doing, the things that they're frustrated with, the negativity that they're spreading. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2 says it like this. Pray to that we will be rescued from the wicked and evil people for not everyone is a believer. Meaning there are people who want to stop God's dreams for your life. There are people that want to kill the dreams that God has given you and tell you that there's no way it's ever going to happen for you. Look at your past. I can't find it. 
And Jesus can't either because he erased it. I don't care about my past. All I care about is where I am today. And today I will serve the Lord. And tomorrow I will serve the Lord. Every day of my life from now on, I will serve the Lord. It doesn't matter where I have been or what people say. I know what the Lord has called me to do. So when you receive a godly dream, you hear from the Lord, you take time, you get confirmation from the Lord to know it's from him. And then maybe when you're ready now, you speak to about a handful of people. And these, these people need to um, be people you trust, people who are for you. These people need to hear from the spirit of the Lord and they need to believe. Be selective, not naive in everything that you speak, okay? And hold on to the promises, write it down. Every time life comes against you, look back at that promise. I know what you said, God. I'm not giving up. I'm not wavering on my faith. Okay, now this leads to my last point of today, which is this. Damaged faith does not mean the end of faith. You may feel damaged today. You may have been through some things. Maybe people are attacking you at this very moment. Maybe you feel like everything is falling apart and you're saying to God, God, I'm damaged. But it doesn't mean your faith is done. It does not mean that God is done with you. Okay, Genesis chapter 37, verses 21 through 24. But when Reuben heard of their schemes, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill Joseph, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into the empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben, listen to this, was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off his beautiful robe. You ever been hurt by the people you love? That you are so close to and it feels like they ripped your life into pieces and took everything away from you. He did not expect it. There's many times we wake up, we don't expect the trials we're about to go through. He ripped his robe, the beautiful one that his father gave him. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. And if you know the story, you know that Reuben was not able to come and rescue him because pretty soon after his brothers sold him into slavery. And when Reuben found out, he was very distraught. Now his father finds out in verses 31 through 34, then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in his blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. How can you lie? The evil and, and corruption that can take place when people are consumed by jealousy and how they can lie to the people they love the most and see that hurt and pain. They dipped Joseph's robe in blood and said, look what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? They didn't even say our brother. They killed him off in his mind, in their minds. Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it's my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn into pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap and mourned deeply for his son for a long time. It brought depression upon him because of lies and jealousy and deceit and division and favoritism. All of it within the family. So this brings what I, I call a moral dilemma. 
if God is working behind the scenes, then did God will for Joseph to go through pain? If God is working behind the scenes, then did God will for Jacob to be depressed and think that he lost his son for a, a very long time? What about you? What are you going through right now? Who's hurt you? What are you dealing with? What breakups have been in your life? What, what people have left you that you thought would never leave? Did God will for that hurt to be in your life? And so this is where we get to the point of damaged faith. And the way I can best illustrate it is like this, is that a lot of us, when we come into the presence of God, we see our identity in Jesus and we see his favor and we're so excited about everything God is doing. God, thank you so much. I, I see you in my life. I see the blessings I had, the dream. You've given me a vision that ignited something inside of me for my future. Thank you. God, I see everything so clear for a time. And then sometimes people scheme against you. The enemy comes against you, the devil. Sometimes it's even your own flesh. And you notice yourself slipping back into old patterns, old ways. And these things start to happen a little at a time. And then sometimes... I know that's extreme. But a lot of us feel like this. Damaged faith. Damaged faith. And so what we used to see so clearly from the Lord now seems damaged. Who tore the robe off of you? Who shed it or shred it into pieces and took it off of you? Who hurt you and came against you? Who spoke against you when you used to have faith in everything that God was doing and now you're looking up to the sky saying, God, did you will this for me? I thought you had something good for me and did you will this pain, this hurt, people leaving, people going against me, all these things. Did you will it for my life? What could God would do something like that? That's all. It gets inside of your head. So let me answer it the best way I can. No. God would never will for you to sin. God would never will for people to sin and hurt you. God would never will for that. But God does foreknow everything that will happen. God foreknew the damage that would come into your life and the people who would try to hurt you and break you with their words and their actions and their betrayal. And he sees the hammer that they hold in their hands to come against you. And he steps in and he starts to direct your path in a, in a different way, in a new way. So I'm gonna tell you something shocking. The pit for Joseph was God's provision. I want you to think about it like this. The pit for Joseph was actually God's provision. His brothers didn't want to throw him in the pit. They wanted to, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to take his life. They wanted to take away the promises of God so that it would never happen for him. So God raised up a Reuben. And he urged Reuben to speak up and say, you know what? Let's put him in this pit instead. 
even though Reuben thought he was going to save him, ultimately in the end, the only one that would get praise for saving Joseph would be Yahweh, would be God. He's the only one that can do it supernaturally, but not only is he gonna save Joseph, he's gonna bring healing to the entire family. And he's gonna change the entire family dynamic. And then he's gonna feed people who are broken, who are hurt, who are lost. So the dream not only impacted Joseph and his family, but everybody around them and everybody was blessed due to the promises of God revealed in a dream. But we're not there yet in the story. And the point that we're leaving with today is that Joseph in this point in his life felt damaged and broken and gone and hurt. The Lord's presence was with them even in the pit. God is with you right now. You're not alone. And you can bring to him your hurt and all those things that have come against you and you can be healed today. But I wanna share one more revelation. First of all, let me say it like this. Because Joseph was not killed. His story was not over. So let me say, since you're still alive today, your story is not over. The dream, I believe, was for Joseph. But the more I started to read the story, I also believe the dream was for Jacob as well. The same dream that Jacob rebuked could have brought him comfort that he needed in the end. Because this dream from the Lord would speak to him as a father saying, one day you will see your son again. One day you will realize he will not be dead and you will be reunited with your son. I've shared stories like this so many times to this church. My daughter, through all the medical procedures she went through, through the tracheostomy, to the brain surgery, to the eye surgery, God gave us dreams that she would be okay and she would be healed. We held on to those dreams through the entire process. Today she's healed, just like the Lord spoke in a dream. And it, thank you. And it, it's amazing what God is speaking to all of us. And he, sometimes he shows us dreams about the future, that everything's gonna be okay. And so I'm telling you right now, do not rebuke what God has shown you for your future. Sometimes the dreams you don't believe is actually the dream you need for healing today. The dreams you don't believe is actually the dream you need for comfort in this moment. And so the moment you come up to the Lord and say, God, remove all the junk in my life, all the doubt and the fear. I know that I'm damaged, but I'm not done. I know that I'm broken, but you can pick up the pieces. I wasn't perfect before anyway. But God, I know what you have for me. A dream ignites a vision for your future. Be careful with what the Lord reveals to you. And in the end, damaged faith does not mean it's the end. God is just growing you and maturing you to still step into the promise. I'm asking you to stand right here. I'm asking a prayer team to come up front because listen, I don't know what kind of damage is in your life. I don't know what kind of hurt and what kind of pain is in your life at this very moment. But it's so easy to remain bitter and angry and hard and allow jealousy to consume us and we walk away. But right now you can come up to this front and there's people up here that are willing to pray over you. There's willing, there's people willing to speak over you the promises of God. I would love to pray over you as well. 
But maybe right now there's just something holding you back and you need to come up here and say, God, I just give it to you right now. I feel like I'm in the pit. I feel like I'm damaged, but I'm ready for you to lead me out. I know I believe in the promises. You've given me the dream. You are a supernatural God. I praise your name through the storms. I praise your name in victory. God, I give it all to you. Everything that I have, I believe in your word. And for you, that today can be freedom. All you have to do is come into his holy presence. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.